Mayday! Jim! The topic of this podcast is everything ends. Is this the end of our podcast? Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world as we know it. And you know what? I feel fine. Roll intro! Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. I'm freaking out. (laughs) Well, don't freak out too hard. There's nothing actually ending. So sorry, listeners, or not sorry, listeners. We're not ending. (laughs) Wait, the title of this podcast is Everything Ends, and now you're saying nothing ends? Well, yeah, it's kind of weird that you know, if you meditate on the word end, I think a, a lot of people might consider that to be, you know, like the ultimate end. Perhaps you think of a death. But uh, I think through this episode, people are going to have their minds open. What do you think? Yeah, I think it might be mind ending. Ooh, boom. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I think all I want to do is make dead jokes because endings are hard. Yeah. I think that. I don't know. I have lots of thoughts about this episode. I can't wait to get in it. I thought it would be fun to kind of start with the making aspect of ends because I got to thinking about our topic and the first thing that came to my mind was not actually a literal death. It was like weaving in your ends. So if you're a maker that uses yarn related things, um, ends are like, you know, the the beginning, both sides of your ball of yarn. So. Everything has an end, like all of your work has an end. Exactly. And right. I mean, like the yarn literally has two ends, or maybe one's right. the beginning. Which one yeah. is the beginning and which one's the end? Yeah. <laughs> and this is, I mean, outside of knitting, this is true when I'm a, you know, I'm a oil painter, right? Mm. So like, which end is up? With an abstract painting, which end is up is yes. a question, right? Yeah. And we talked with about no ends. answer, really. <laughs> well, it depends on the artist. Some people oh, are very insistent. <laughs> <laughs> or the owner. There's mm-hmm. times when the artist and the person that purchases the art get really, I've heard of a few stories where they can be in arguments with each other mm. on how they're hanging the painting. Oh, goodness. But the ends in knitting or crochet, you always have mm-hmm. that tail, that little end. Yep. And isn't it funny that, at the end of the project, you have to weave in the ends. <laughs> you know, they're not called beginnings. <laughs> yeah, they should be beginnings. Because yeah, they're, I mean, aren't they also beginnings? Like, don't I have an end at the start and at the... Exactly. And don't you need the beginning to get to the end? Oh, no. <laughs> ah! Ah! I'm falling down That's right. into the endless... Viral. Even the end of the sentence needs a period to end it. Otherwise, it would just go on and on. And Uh-oh, on. there's that song. <laughs> Don't start singing the song that never ends because oh, Lamb Chop is right there. That's right. Never- <laughs> Don't sue us, Sherry. <laughs> I loved that as a kid. <laughs> was, it, wasn't, was that a knit sock, wasn't it? Don't we have a lot of knitwear puppets? Yeah, we sure do. So really, ends are all around us. And if you think about it, like we were saying... Is is it is it really an end? What makes it an end? I mean, there's the end of the yarn that actually sticks out. Like, start my project, hmm. and I've like knit in a few rows. How come I can't take that beginning tail, 
which is called an end for some yeah. reason. How come I can't like weave it in then? Why do I got to wait until the another use of the word end, end of the project or when I'm finished with the project to weave it in? Um, so, I mean, really, I guess there's nothing stopping you except for if you're there like is. me. Every time I try to do it, this big man, Gestapo, the knitting Gestapo shows up and is like, <laughs> hey, hey, no. No, Stitch is wrong. Stitch is wrong. Just pulls it all out in front of you. Oh, horrifying. Yeah, I hate when they... (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Literally every knitter's nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell me what to do. Yes, I can. It's the knitting police. (laughs) (laughs) Let us in. Show us your stitches. This is the end of your knitting. So you could... But I would, I would recommend against it because, you know, let's, let's say the end of your project doesn't actually come with you finishing it. Let's say uh, you put it down for two years and then you came back and you're like, I don't like this anymore. Or the person I was making it for, I'm not doing that anymore. And you have to end it sooner than you thought. Well, guess what? If you want to reharvest that yarn, now you have to undo your ends. You have to redo the undo, the end. Go back in time. So, yeah, um, it could save you a lot of time by not doing it. (laughs) Leaving it to the end can save you time, buy time. So weaving in the ends Mm -hmm. finishes a product in a way that makes it a little less undoable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, this gets a very... aspect at that point, right? Remember when we talked about the Mobius strip? Yes. The endless, like one-sided. And now we're talking about something that's a little more finite. Mm-hmm. These are kind of opposite concepts. And it's fascinating how we're sort of like playing with this idea. Yeah. it's 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 been very interesting to see how they come back and forth. I mean, again, even yeah. the Ouroboros being like um, the circular knitting again here. Is there really an end, even though your knitting pattern may say knit it to the end of the round? you're not probably stopping by doing one round. I mean, and maybe in small cases, but usually you're going to do another round after that and then another and another, and they're going to build on top of each other. And like we said before, they're more like a spiral, something that builds on top of itself instead right. of just closed circuit stop. Yeah. Again, leads to me, me to believe what, what is an end? <laughs> if an end just, do they always lead to beginnings? Even projects itself, like you have to end certain projects to get, if nothing else, your needles back, right? I mean, you're going to use all your supplies. You have to end a spell at some point. Otherwise, the energy is just going to deplete forever or weaken. Right. You know, even magic has to be ended. A circle has to be closed, right? Yeah, I guess it's interesting. Like, I've knit the sweater. The sweater is done. I've woven in the ends. I've, you know, blocked it and dried it and and finished it, folded it carefully with tissue and wrapped it in a box. I've given it to my friend, Katie. She's opened it at her birthday. She's been amazed. Jim, I thought you were still frustrated with knitting and had no idea you could do this fair aisle pattern and all this cabling. Where did you get to be this master knitter? And, you know, was so surprised. And I never did another project again because that was the end. Mic drop. The mic drop, the, the needle drop. 
And he retired from knitting that very day. Forever. That would kind of be the end, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's one way to do it. <laughs> well, I've done everything there is in knitting, so I guess I've that's, done it. that's I'm finished. I Boy, made I her a Fair Isle colorwork cable fisherman sweater. And that was yeah, it. For done. all seasons. For all seasons. Made of reversible. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> with every fat with every kind different kind of fiber incorporated mm. and sparkles. Yep. Needle needle drop. That's it. Yep. Throughout the needles, tossed um, out all the patterns. Yep. Goodbye, project bags. Yeah. Goodbye. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> How many how many knitters are listening and cringing? Oh my god! It doesn't work that way. No, because you have all these skills, you have all these um, implements, you have all these. Um, what are they called? The little tiny bag. What do you put in the little tiny bag? Oh, notions. Notions. Yes. You have all these mm-hmm. notions, and I love that word because you also have notions of new ideas and and projects to do you have all these ideas right one leads Mm -hmm. to another so you kind of want the end right yeah by finishing one thing maybe that gives you the skill to do the next thing that you were like oh i i couldn't do that a year ago but now i've circled back around i've learned something yep what i watched once was difficult is now a breeze even coming to the end of a project itself has its own kind of feeling um sometimes it's great you're like woof it's done i'm so happy it was difficult you know and now i can wear it and and sometimes you're like oh no this was for someone else and i loved working on it and i loved how it came out and now i don't want to give it away <laughs> yeah, I am done with this project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you ever feel like, yeah, I'm ready for it to end? Yeah, usually that's when I stop seeing what color it is, and uh, someone will say like, "Oh, those are two great shades of whatever," and I'm like, "What? Oh yeah, no, yes, look at all that color. Yeah, this is just work for me now. You gotta gotta zoom out." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, oh, you actually get a little colorblind to your mm-hmm. own project? Yep. Does that, well, you don't do a lot of color work, right? Not so usually. much. Yeah. yeah. I usually let the yarn do the color talking if I'm going to do something like that. So you'll get a yarn that's dyed in different sort of ways and let it sort of play out. That's more my style. Yeah. A mm-hmm. friend of mine is currently working on a very complex color work um, scarf. That is, I guess, a Harry Potter theme. And it has all of these complex, like, pictures in it. It's like a tapestry. It's very complex. Like, the inside of it has so much yarn sort of going Mm. back and forth. But on the front of it is, like, these intricate patterns of, like, actual pictures. And it has, like, I don't know, six colors or something. Yeah. And I mean, the yarn, the the scarf is like a tube and it is so like thick because yeah. it's got all these colors and everything. And I'm just fascinated by this color work, but she's got to pay attention. Yes. it's There's like no I messing mean, around with that. If you're going to probably see the mistake with that <laughs> sort of project, if you uh, have a bit of an error. Right. But those types of projects are sort of a great, analogy again for this sort of thing. I mean, where were the ends there? There were six ends all working simultaneously when one color isn't being used, the rest are being held in the back. Those That's are right. Floats. Um, you know, it almost makes you feel like uh, people will often say, 
well, you know, if, if you are what you think, then you should think yourself into a better timeline. So it's almost like, okay, well, this color maybe isn't working for me right now. So I need to go back and pull in like another color that works better. It's almost uh, a really good way to picture that, you know, <laughs> to make right. kind of sense. <laughs> yeah. And I also wonder like, when that project is done, is she going to be like, I am so done with this project? Oh, yeah. Maybe there'll be like a, a, a little easier project to come next, you know, so she can enjoy having uh, that like real huge sense of accomplishment yeah. without like another very intense right. task. <laughs> right it, behind does suit, it. it does suit her personality. She has a really great personality for focus and exacting, mm. you know, sort of thing. So it is very impressive. I'm just... Yeah. And she's a very fast knitter, so it's very cool to watch. So that's uh, at least some endings that I could think of in like magic and making. When I think about that, it's interesting to think about how that carries over to then the magical side. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about taking those ideas of endings from the crafting side, from the making side, mm. and be inspired to then talk about endings from the psychological and then from the magical side. Yes. So let's get into that. Wonderful. All right. So we'll take a quick break and we'll jump right in. We'll be right back. If you've ever been curious about getting a palm reading with my co-host, James Devine, there's never been a better time than now. Not only does Jim offer empowering palm readings to help you tap into the hidden messages in your hands, he's also now offering Divine Hand Tarot readings for a limited time. Find out more about all of Jim's amazing offerings at thedivinehand.com and on his Instagram page where you'll find him as Divine Hand Jim. I bet you were just thinking about how much you love signing up for newsletters, right? What a coincidence. So was I. The Light from Lantern newsletter, in fact. It includes unique offerings like the Light from Lantern's new monthly themes, advanced pattern release announcements, and exclusive discounts, news regarding your favorite podcast, Knit a Spell, magical making advice, and more. And because I think you're pretty cool, like you didn't already know, I'll send you an exclusive pattern that's only available to my newsletter subscribers as my thank you. Learn more and sign up today at lightfromlantern.com. And we're back. So why is the idea of ending... Why is there all this panic around them? Why? Why is everyone so freaked out about endings? <laughs> Especially death. As a sociologist type person, right? I think about our social programming. I think about our culture. When a government of any kind needs power over people to control people, it adopts a spiritual practice or a theocracy. So Rome did this. So ancient Rome and ancient Greece. So we're think, thinking about Western culture, which really has roots in the ancient Greece theocracy, the ancient Roman theocracy, right? Mm. Um, and when Rome was falling, Constantine, the emperor, the last emperor of Rome, adopted the idea of Christianity from the Gnostics because he saw that that was the um, the religion that was, you know, up and coming and in vogue, right? So and thought, okay, this is what's going to save Rome, is Rome is going to become a theocracy under Christianity and started this idea of Roman Catholicism or Roman Christianity became Catholicism later. Hmm. And so adopted this sort of new sort of Christian religion to replace the Roman paganism. There had to be something at stake because Rome was weakening and no longer had the power to control people mm. um, and was, was losing its power to own property and to have, you know, the, um, the property and, 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 and the countries and the, 
power to tax and all that stuff, right? right. And so eventually, Rome uh, and the Roman theocracy simply became the church. And a lot of the aristocrats became priests and bishops and, and you know, and hmm. uh, cardinals and things like that. So they had to have something else. They had to start peddling in something other than property, other than fields and all that. That all became a little more of a secular government or an, uh, an alignment with the Catholic Church, but the state and the church sort of became independent from each other, although in close um, relationship. Yeah, perhaps from the same origin. <laughs> <clears throat> right. And so you have all of these governments that honored you know, Christianity, but were no longer subjects to Rome. They were like, you had Spain and you had Germany and you had, um, you know, France and you had England, all Catholic, but not under, you know, Roman rule. Hmm. And so that worked for a long time. And the Pope was super rich. And so were all the theocrats in the, Hmm. you know, Catholic religion, but they had to be selling something else besides taxing you. Sure. What were they selling? the promise of salvation. Ah. But what was at stake was the an ultimate end. They had to be selling your damnation, right? Your soul, a promise of life after death. Mm. And this is a mystery that was co-opted from the Gnostics. And also that, that went back to the Mithric cults in, you know, the, around those Gnostic times, mm. which also we think came from the mystery cults in ancient Greece, the Eleusinian mysteries. And there was there's potentially many other sort of mystery cults that were inspired at that time where people would have these ritualistic experiences over a period of time where they discovered, you know, secrets of, um, of everlasting life. So in mm. the Eleusinian mysteries in ancient Greece, there was thought that if you had this password, if you had this idea, you could move beyond the damnation of death in Hades and move into the uh, Elysian fields mm. and have a, an easier time in the afterlife, an easier time in the underworld. Um, if you were one of the chosen people who knew these passwords, does this sound familiar? Mm, yeah. It, so familiar. Was, right. And so this is sort of the same idea that was carried through into my, into Christianity. Right. Mm. So this doesn't really work unless we start to employ this idea that you have to fear death, Hmm. right? You have to start seeing endings as permanent endings as something to fear. Hmm. And you start to have this whole social construct around the finality of death, the evilness of death. We start to have this phobia of death that really creeps into our culture. We notice this especially in the middle ages, especially, you know, pre-Renaissance type of times when we, when, when Christianity really became this powerhouse as a worldview, we still have this worldview in the West. It is not as prevalent in the East. We don't, we see different ways that people relate with death, but we don't see it as this panic is this like the end is the end and that's it. And it, and it bleeds into everything. And so we see this panic around endings, you know, um, summers, I have it around summer, summer's ending. Mm. I just can't get like uh, my head around like the the autumn being so wonderful because I don't want sunshine to end. I want it to be like eternal summer and, you know, and 
my husband is like, no, you get to relax. It's like, this is the time to like kick off your shoes and, and, you know, chill just like in the afternoon after a hard work day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Refill your cup with a hot toddy instead of a cool drink. (laughs) Exactly. So it's an interesting idea to think about now, every, everyone, please, if you know more about, you know, timelines and history and anthropology and all that add to the conversation, you know, send us an email what we got wrong, but these are some of the highlights in our quick little podcast here of some of the ways in which our culture sort of has developed from these roots in Western culture, anyway, of Rome and how this came about as I understand them from my studies. And if you don't have the panic of this is the end you need salvation, then you're not going to be manipulated into becoming afraid of death. And then you're not going to need to be saved into, you know, salvation or part of the church. And then you're not going to tithe the church and the church isn't going to have a money-making proposition. There you go. How are they going to make their dollars? Right. So then we have a lot of black and white thinking or on and off thinking in this world about like, it's either you know, alive or dead. Mm, yeah. But if it's you a life think, or death situation. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about, and so this ends up being like my example of a tree. Katie, is a tree alive or dead? Alive. Exactly. The answer is both. Hmm. Because what about you as a human? Are you alive or dead? Oh, well, I guess by that means probably both, right? Well, yeah. And you might say like, I'm alive, but in Mm -hmm. both cases, you can look at a tree and you can look at a human and you can say, well, there's parts of me that are alive and there's parts of me that are not necessarily alive. Mm -hmm. Like, is my hair alive? Right. Is, well, it's keratin. Is my fingernails alive? I don't know. Like there's parts of me that I could say are not alive but they're mm. in me or part of me, right? Are my bones that don't actually have living cells are just structural, actually alive, but they're supporting me and they're part of me. I don't know. It's a weird thing. And if instead of being like, we're either alive or dead, if we're mm. like, I'm a blend of living and death, life and death, I am both. And these are not useful concepts to say I'm either or. Yes. Oh, I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. The food we eat. You cannot live without death. You live because you eat and you eat death. That's right. Every bite of food is something that has died or that is dead that you're eating and it fuels you and gives you life. Mm, that's, yes. a, that's a really tough concept that you are a death eater. Another Harry, this is it. This episode is brought to us by Harry Potter, apparently. Oh, Death Eater. I didn't ever even put that together. You're a Death Eater. You eat death and it's what gives you life. Oh my gosh. Eating death gives me life. Well, and it's funny because a lot of people's, not you, but a lot of people's favorite season is autumn, fall, when all of the leaves are literally dying all around you in beautiful hues in gorgeous hues like flame yes like jim's shirt oh my gosh and that smell i love that decay you know just like the woodsy just falling off of the tree again like that would you think it was so cute if it was your hair and a tumbleweed going down the street maybe not but (laughs) okay all the leaves are that are all of our all of our listeners that are leaves Mm -hmm. are right now 
totally horrified. Katie loves, <laughs> <So offended>. the, <laughs> Katie loves the smell of our rotting flesh. It's true. Yeah. Sorry about it. Not sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so like when we think about, you know, as I, when I went to Japan and really did some, you know, studies, ethnographic mm-hmm. studies there, there's a lot less of this sort of yes, no thinking, right? There's a lot of Mm. easier time to think about things in a continuum in a cycle or a spiral. And some of the things that we have in sort of more modern new age type of uh, spirituality really are borrowed from the Eastern ideas and Eastern culture as Mm. opposed to Western culture, right? Yeah. Um, So it's a really interesting type of thing, right? Mm, Gosh. So as we know, I mean, as we were talking about before, a lot of beginnings come from endings, you know, like, again, the leaves fall off the trees, and then they blanket the ground that becomes soil for new leaves and branches to grow the next season. Yeah. And our episode next week actually will uh, touch on this as well. So um, it's it's all perfect spiral of topics this month. What? Yeah, it is. Almost like we planned it for October or something. Oh, my gosh. Are are we so smart or what? (laughs) (laughs) So, Jim, is there more? There's always more. (laughs) What do you mean by that? (laughs) That's a saying in the craft. A lot of times where people, when we say, is there more? There's this call and response, like there's always more. It's very, very funny, right? So yeah, it's so funny. So the ending is really just a construct, right? It's never really, you know, a true ending. Mm. There's this really cool um, chant in in witchcraft that um, my husband actually modified a little bit from when he found, but mm. I can kind of go through it. And I think it's a really cute little chant when we think about endings and it um, encapsulates some of this. So I'm a terrible singer, but I'll, we do chant in witchcraft. So we use this sometimes when we're spiral dancing or when we have a, to sort of raise energy. Mm. And the words are round the tree of life. We go twisting, turning to and fro, winding, winding, quick and slow, endings to beginnings flow. Hmm. Round the tree of life we go, twisting, turning to and fro, winding, winding, quick and slow, endings to beginnings flow. Hmm. It's a really cool chant to think about how this sort of cycle continues, right? Yeah, talk about a never-ending song. That's a beautiful one. That's a mm. much better song than Love You, Sherry. Yeah. You rest in peace. Yeah, right. <laughs> she knows what she did. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what she did. That's on her, uh, her tombstone. <laughs> I know what I did. <laughs> She's also like, they'll talk about me forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> Probably on a knitting and magic podcast That's one in 2021. How to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, seriously. So there are some ending cards in the tarot deck. That's true. Yes. Uh, as, as most people might think, guess what? First one I always thought of, the death card. Hello. <laughs> but uh, but there's other ones. What are your other favorite tarot decks now that you're into tarot, Jim? I, now that I'm into tarot, for yes. sure. Yeah, the death card is definitely number 13, the death card. I mm. mean, that's an ending, right? And people are always like, why is it that tarot readers are like, doesn't always mean death? Because what are we doing? We're, we're countering that panic. Yes. 
right? Mm-hmm. Of like, because it says death on there and we know the client is probably like, oh my God. Or yes. we've seen it in movies where it's like, let me pull your card for you. And they turn it over and it's the death card and the camera zooms in. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And James Bond mm-hmm. is there and is like, oh, mm-hmm. I see. And then the dart comes out and it's like, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, so right. Remember that episode? Okay. <laughs> I think I was watching it with you. Yes. Oh um, my gosh, okay. Yes. So another one I was thinking is the tower, mm. which is, what is that? 16, number 16 mm-hmm. tower. Yep. Tear down your previous conceptions of things. Yeah. But that's an ending for whom? It's a personal ending. like Or a- an ending for the people in power since at least on the right away smith deck you see the crown at the top of the tower that's symbolizing like the people in power Mm, like the king is tumbling right or the establishment so this is an ending it's a really great card for people who are looking for social justice or people who are looking to like topple the establishment or the establishment that's in your mind Mm. to like remove obstacles or barriers that are there so that's kind of a cool way to think about you know what's in your way, but it can also be like painful to destroy some of the things that you've had longstanding. Another what's one another is, one you thought? Uh, I would say the world. Uh, oh, I wait, actually... I, everyone loves that card. <laughs> I do too, but often it's like a, a great glorious end or um, I often get this card when I'm asking or kind of contacting someone who's recently crossed um, and that's the card I'll get in confirmation that like, it's okay. I'm here. Like, it's cool. Wow. So okay. That's so that's also, card. that's also number 21. And that's the last major arcana card. Mm-hmm. So it is actually the end of the major arcana cards. Oh, right. I didn't think if we think that. about the fool's journey of one to 21, mm. that's like the culmination of the fool's journey is the world, right? That's right. Yeah. You went from knowing no. nothing to holding the world in your hand through experience, right? What about the ju- number 20 right before it, judgment? Like there's an angel mm. with a trumpet and all the people coming out of the graves. Yeah. Isn't that sort of like, I mean, the image on the right away Smith is like, you know, Armageddon or judgment or like, you know, the rapture. Yeah. So that's Inevitability. Sort of yeah. Like uh, it's the end of the waiting for whatever the thing is. It's right. happening. Right. Do you think of that as an, could you see that as an, as an ending of some kind? Yeah. It's funny. Cause again, it's, it's an end and a beginning at the same time. It's the right. end to your current thinking, uh, which must happen now because new thinking is coming, which I guess is part of then leading into the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people would also probably consider like the Ten of Swords and maybe like a lot of the <laughs> tens, like uh, all the tens, like all the, yeah. Because they're the last of the pips, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely the Ten of Swords. Like every single time I get a tarot reading, I feels like I get the Ten of Swords. (laughs) Yeah. People are always like trying to make it easier for me. Like there's a sunrise on the other. Look through the sword. See the Mm -hmm. sunrise? And I'm like. Ignore your current pain. (laughs) But look at all the swords in the back of that person's back and they're like but those swords the, the person isn't bleeding i'm like they were already dead they're ble- <laughs> okay but the one thing on the right away smith is the ten of swords the right hand is making the teacher pose if you look closely mm. at the hand gesture there's the teacher pose on mm. that right hand of that character which um means there are lessons and the swords are an air 
element. So there is, this is an idea. This is like the 10, the 10 swords are in your back, but this is about learning a lesson, finally learning that lesson because it's intellect, it's mental. Right. Oh, well, and that would make sense why it's the last one, right? And this why is your last hurdle. Mm. Ooh, see, this is why we have hand experts here. Well, we've wanted to try something new. Mm-hmm. Should we pull a card? Yes. Katie, um, do you have the special oracle? Yes, we should which, do. Which oracle is it? So we're going to end by pulling a card for the week using the Stitcher's Oracle deck. Yes. Yay. Tell us a little bit about the Stitcher's Oracle. So I kickstarted this um, like at the beginning of the year or something like Meaning that. Meaning you were one of the kickstart, one of the supporters of the Kickstarter. This is not your deck. Correct. Yes. Okay. I did Just not making make sure. it. I... Stitch Together Studio. <laughs> yes. Stitch Together Studio. We'll put it in the show notes. We adore them. Yes. And we'll, we're working on getting them as a guest on the show, right? Absolutely. Yes. And they're also working on currently kickstarting a tarot deck. Uh, in the similar style. So if you like the Oracle deck, tarot deck is on board. So so if you're um, a knitter or a crocheter or do anything with fiber arts, is, is this a must-have deck? I would think so. Uh, I mean, there's even like um, embroidery kind of things. So any handiwork, I think people will really enjoy it if you're any sort of handiwork. So. I, I love this. Yeah. This is a perfect deck for this show. I think so too. I saw it and was like, well, that's obviously got to be in my cart. So no brainer. So we're going to pull one. And what I do, as I had said just recently on my Instagram at Light From Lantern. Oh, well, that's quick. Um, I usually shuffle one until it falls out. So sometimes it happens really fast like that one. It just shot across the floor. So hold on. Oh, all right. So our message for this week is bobbins. (gasps) Bobbins. Bobbins. So these are for a a sewing machine. Uh, They would go in and and usually do the underside of the stitching in a sewing machine. So the spool on the top will do the top stitching and these these do the bottom stitching. And yeah, there are three. That's a great thing to point out. How does this card make you feel, Jim? It makes me feel like What holds me together, sometimes what holds you together is not seen and is coming from underneath as well as from above. Mm, yeah, that's a great. It, uh, I also feel like it's very poignant because we were just talking about that color work scarf that has all the different uh, color work pieces. And depending on the type of color work you're doing, you can also use bobbins similar to this to hold the different colors. So yeah, maybe you're... Uh, juggling some things, but you're doing it in an organized fashion. So yeah, I think there's a, a lot of trust your organization because that's, that's what's helping you around here. And I think that goes in line with yours too. Ooh, fun. Well, we're going to pull a card like that every show now. So this is great. Yeah. And if anybody has any interesting Oracle decks they think we like need or whatever, drop us a line, knit a spell podcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at knit a spell or follow Jim at divine hand Jim on Instagram. Follow Katie at light from lantern. And what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? 
I would really want to encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter, subscribe to Katie's news- newsletter at her website, lightfromlantern.com, or my newsletter at thedivinehand.com. Uh, we both put out great content and not so often that you're annoyed by it, which is what I care about. Yeah. And there's stuff that's actually usable. You'll want to actually open it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so happy everyone's listening. And this has been so much fun, Katie. Thanks for a great conversation. As always, it's been a pleasure. And unfortunately... Is this ending? Yes. The end of our episode. (laughs) I know. It's okay. Because it's the end of this episode. And that means we can do a new one next time. That's right. If this were the world's longest episode, wouldn't everybody be sick of it at a certain point? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See you next time. Yes. I'm so excited. Can't wait. See you soon, Jim. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes of Knit a Spell are conjured every Wednesday. Learn more at knitaspell.com and follow our Instagram page at knitaspell. If you have a quick second to support the show, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or share this with a friend. Jim and I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next week.